1: You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Kumo Majesty 9 Solus TA91. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash This is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre.
0: What is up, Straight Fire fam? It's me, Jason McIntyre. Straight Fire for Monday, May 8th. Oh my gosh, what a weekend. Unbelievable basketball. Unbelievable action for your boy. Uh, super busy Kids sports, went to a concert with the wife on Friday, went to the Lakers-Warriors game three at the Crypt. What a scene if you follow me on the gram. Obviously, you saw some of the videos that I was posting outside the arena was just chaos. It was just a humongous party. Just an all-around pretty awesome weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and Sunday, I'm exhausted from it. Uh, by the way, Saturday in the middle of the day, I just like sat down while my kids went to a birthday party at Golf. My wife's like, I'll take him. You look a little tired because after we went out Friday night, I came Saturday morning. That's I try to play hoops every Saturday morning. I get out there, and I'm like, oh, I'm a little exhausted, not quite hungover, just hurting. I didn't sleep a lot. I think I'm going to play terrible. I play incredible. I had like an awesome day. And I come home, and I end up just crashing and falling asleep for like 90 minutes. I'm so thankful because it gave me the energy to go hard Saturday night. Lakers was incredible. My buddy uh, Jeff sees the tickets. So um, his wife went to a concert with my wife, and um, I was able to go do the Lakers-Warriors game. Unbelievable atmosphere. That was the biggest Laker playoff game in probably a decade. We'll talk about it with Rob G. later. Obviously, game four tonight. We will preview that. But at the end of the weekend, I'm gassed. Uh, my son had a volleyball tournament on the beach uh, Sunday, and you know, I'm there for like four hours in the sun. And then I, my daughter has a soccer game. I'm like, just I'm mean, I'm just tired. You know I'm getting old, and I lay down to watch Suns Nuggets game four, and you guys know I'm all in on the Nuggets, um, in the series that we got the player points pool with Jokic. Uh, I'm sorry, with Murray and Gordon. I also have Kevin Durant, but the series has been good. Friday night was just a treat, unbelievable. But I, I just saw Friday, and I'm like, there's no way that this is sustainable. Kevin Durant and Booker cannot just carry the team. And it turns out they largely can just carry the team in what was an amazing basketball game. Suns win by five. They survive both games at home in narrow fashion. And all anybody's going to be talking about today is the incident on the sideline, baseline, whatever you want to call it, involving Jokic, who was otherworldly. 53 points on a mere 30 shots. And it's funny, as an aside, Joel Embiid plays earlier. We'll talk about it later, but he was just an abomination in the fourth quarter. I know. He's kind of banged up. I got it. And then he wins the MVP, and then Jokic plays a game later, drops 53. Now, he did have a little turnover late when they were down three. They had a chance, but nevertheless, let's just get into the incident. Weird moment, right? So the Suns and the Nuggets, like the ball's loose. It goes out of bounds. A Suns player kind of tumbles into the stands, into the lap of some fans, and— the ball lands right in the owner of this guy wearing a green jacket. And he's just like holding the ball like he's like on the team, you know, or something. He's just holding the ball. Jokic is like, come on, come on. We, we You want a fast break? This guy on the Suns is down. We get the ball. Let's inbound and go. So Jokic comes over to get the ball, and the guy in the green's like not giving the ball to him. So eventually Jokic grabs for the ball. The ball pops up, and the guy in the green kind of thrusts his chest into Jokic, and Jokic kind of gives him like a forearm. Like, get off me. What are you doing? You're a gnat. I'm a huge, large Serbian. Okay. All of a sudden, Jokic gets a technical foul for shoving this fan who we quickly find out is not just any dude with a green jacket, but he is the billionaire owner of the Phoenix Suns, Matt Ishbia. So remember, Ishbia, who owns the Suns, just took over, uh, what, back in February? And then, like five minutes later, trades for Kevin Durant. You know, this is a guy who played at Michigan State and mostly sat on the bench, but whatever. He, he's, you know, he knows how to a flop. And Jokic gi- gives him a little shove. But again, this is on Ishbia, who was holding the ball from Jokic and then thrust his chest into him after Jokic popped the ball loose. Jokic's like, back off. And he flops and throws his arms up like he was just, like, injured. It was real cheap, pathetic stuff from Ishbia. A billionaire should be above that, but I digress. And so, for some reason... Jokic gets a technical foul. Now, this is an interesting stat that I saw on social media. I have not confirmed it. But afterward, the referee who gave Jokic the tech, Tony Brothers, was asked about it. And he's like, Jokic uh, grabbed the ball from a fan then deliberately shoved and pushed him down. He did not. He just gave him like a get off me. And so he was issued an unsportsmanlike technical foul. And Nuggets fans are quick to note that Jokic has been ejected six times in his career by Tony Brothers. Now, again, this is unverified. I didn't bother to look it all up. But six ejections in Jokic's career are all by Tony Brothers. One, the rest of the league in his career. So does this ref have it out for Jokic? I don't know. It was a very suspect technical foul. And now all anybody's talking about is, "Well, will Jokic be suspended for Game 5 in Denver? And my thought is, why is the NBA even looking at this? The NBA should send a message by not even addressing it When the media goes, hey, hey, what about Jokic? What about what about it? There's nothing here, nothing to investigate. The billionaire owner grabbed the ball, wouldn't relinquish it, like he was like, you know, relevant here, and he is relevant. He owns a team, but he's not relevant to the game. If a if a a normal fan gets the ball and is not giving it back, what's going to happen? Tell me, what's going to happen? You don't think a player is going to go for it? And then the flop, like this, is just such a nothing. Jokic should not be suspended. However, if he is. We can just go ahead and open an investigation and let it be known that the league wanted Kevin Durant to face LeBron James next round, or the league wanted Kevin Durant to face Steph Curry in his first playoff series since leaving the Warriors against Steph Curry. That's all this is. That's it. The league would want that. And this is their opportunity because let's be real, folks. Denver's been the better team in this series. That is undeniable. Now, It's amazing that I'm, what, five, six minutes into the podcast and I have not mentioned the greatness of Devin Booker. Now, he did not score in the fourth quarter. But in the third quarter, Devin Booker was unconscious. And in what might be the craziest stat of the postseason so far, in the two games at home, Devin Booker, from the field, is shooting 79%. 34 of 43 from the field, eight of 12 on threes at 66%. I don't know if I've ever seen anyone get this volcanic in a two game stretch in the playoffs. Like, I remember Isaiah Thomas when I was a kid against the Lakers. I think it was game six or seven. That was when it was the 2 3 2 format, and it was game six, and Isaiah and the Pistons were trying to close them out. And Isaiah had like 43 points, like 20 something in the third quarter on like a bum ankle. It was unbelievable. I've, yes, I've seen the Jordan 63. He lost against the Celtics to so stop. Curry's 50 against the Kings was unbelievable. This two game stretch by D Book, where he seemingly cannot miss shots, is stuff that I can't recall seeing. Now, I will note Kevin Durant had 36. He was great. Booker was just unbelievable. 14 of 18 shooting. And it's not like there's a layup drill. He's shooting mid range, he's shooting deep threes, he's getting in line. Booker has been unbelievable. And. I know he's going to get a lot of the headlines for his shooting. And Jokic will get a lot of the headlines for the shove of the billionaire who tried to uh, get involved in the game. But ultimately, I think this came. This game came down to a pretty impressive move from Monty Williams of the Suns. He has quickly realized that at the small forward position, Torrey Craig ain't it. Okay, his minutes were eight. He did not attempt to uh, – uh, sorry, Torrey Craig played less than one minute. Did not attempt a shot. They started Josh Okogie, and that just doesn't seem to work. 0-for-1 on threes. So he decided, screw small forward. I'm just going to put out a guard who can shoot there. We can't really defend anyway. They're going to score on us, so why don't we just score back? And in what was a pretty good stroke of genius from Monty Williams, he now has decided that Landry Shamet is going to be a guy. And Terrence Ross, the former Orlando Magic shooter... Is going to be the guy, and folks, it, I mean, nobody saw this coming. Absolutely nobody. I don't want to act. I don't want you guys acting like, oh, this was going to happen. But the Suns bench outscored the Nuggets bench forty-two to eleven. That is why they won this game. Booker was able to not score in the fourth quarter because they didn't need it. Because Landry Shamit was dropping bombs, four threes for Landry Shaman in the fourth. Four. He had twelve points in the quarter. I don't know. I mean, I could look it up, but I'm assuming he didn't have 12 points in the series through three games. Landry Schammett, they sat him in the corner, and it's not like the Nuggets defense was bad. It wasn't that they were letting Landry Schammett cook. They were wisely doubling D-book. They were like, we got to stop him. He wasn't missing. Kevin Durant wasn't missing. So... Are you going to, you know, obviously you'd love Torrey Craig to be shooting. You'd love it to be Ian Wainwright or whatever kid Wainwright. I think that's his name, Ian Wainwright. You'd love it for uh, to be Josh Akogi. But going Landry Shammett, going small, paid off. By the way, Landry Shammett did not play in game one. Played mop-up duty garbage time in game two. Saw a little more playing time in game three. And now in game four, goes for ninth points. Just unbelievable. Maybe Monty Williams got lucky, but whatever it was a stroke of genius. Now, obviously Denver will have to counter the way that the Warriors and the Lakers are playing um, you know, basically chess out there. But this series is sneaky good. Now, the other story that I think is interesting. And I've been talking about this for a while. I think DeAndre Ayton is criminally overrated. I think the contract they gave him is an absolute joke. He has been a non-factor in the series. I know he had a couple plays late in the game that were effective. But for large swaths of this game, Ayton was pinned to the bench. And the Phoenix Suns rode Jock Landale of NBL fame. Yes, you guys know I own a team in New Zealand, the New Zealand Breakers. Jock Landale has faced the Breakers. I know his work from the NBL, and he looked pretty good. Plus 16 in 21 minutes, 8 points, 5 boards. He was like a factor. He's energetic. Aiton is kind of robotic. I, I, listen, the bench really came through for Phoenix. Now, this is what happens at home. Bench players play better. What about the bench players in Denver? Are they going to show up? Because I'll tell you this. Durant and Booker, they can't shoulder the load in Denver. By the way, Phoenix was blown out in Denver twice, and that was with Chris Paul so more depth and they got blown out. So, I'm not I'm not sold on Denver winning the series. I'm not I mean sorry, I'm not sold on Phoenix coming back to beat Denver in the series. Denver all they have to do is win two of 3 and they have two of 3 at home. If they can hold they got to win game 5. You cannot go back to Phoenix down 3-2. Um I like their chances. Now, I will remind you guys, this is a Phoenix team that did not have Kevin Durant last year that was at home in Game 7 against Luka Doncic and lost by like 35 points. So, I know Kevin Durant obviously changes the equation just a little bit. KD, 36-11-6. This is a pretty damn good Denver team. I just, I mean, Michael Malone is going to have to go back to the drawing board on how they defend. Like, you can't just do the same thing every time. And Landry Shamet must have hit three corner threes in like a five-minute span. He was just ready, locked and loaded. Uh, By the way, Michael Malone had a great quote, the coach of the Nuggets. When he was asked by the media afterward, hey, so what do you think of uh, the incident with Jokic? He's like, listen, it was a fan holding the ball. You can't have that. You can't have some fan holding the ball, holding up the game. And then a media member is like, hey, that was the billionaire owner of the Phoenix Suns. And he goes, I don't give a shit. He just was straight. He's like, I don't care. Like, what does it matter? And he's right. The, The billionaire owner should not catch a break there. Denver 2-2. And listen, the NBA has to be absolutely thrilled. Three series are 2-2. Okay? We've got a—I'm sorry. Wait, did I say three? I'm sorry. Two series are 2-2. Suns, Nuggets, 2-2. Sixers, Celtics, which we'll get to shortly, is 2-2. And the other two have game four tonight.
1: You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive.
0: Sixers Celtics game four, kind of a slow start for Boston. I don't, I got like a weird vibe from them watching. It was just lack of interest or we've got these guys. We got game three. We came here to get one and they were down. Let me see here. Sixers were up 16 in the second quarter. Sixers were up 16 in the third. They're up eight with eight minutes left. And then you could just see Boston essentially say, okay, we're going to play. We got this. And they just took over seventeen to four run. Marcus Smart hitting threes. Tatum, my guy, unstoppable. And Joel Embiid. And it's weird. I have like this strange thing where suddenly I'm a Joel Embiid hater on social media because I don't gas him up. Philadelphia thinks I don't respect Embiid. And all I, my the easiest counter into any Embiid discussion is: Has he been to a conference finals? And they're like, well, no, stop. I don't want to hear excuses. Has he been to a conference finals? That's like a very basic thing. You can have the MVP award. That's wonderful. But what matters is showing up in the playoffs. Like, it's wonderful, outstanding that you have a great 82-game regular season. But what are you doing when it matters in the postseason? And the answer is not a whole hell of a lot. Their best team was the one with Jimmy Butler where they lost on the Kawhi Leonard— Back breaking three pointer, and I still remember where I was watching that because I had Sixers in that series and it hurt, man. It, it was it was a stinger badly. I like Jimmy Butler, you guys know I'm a big fan. I was rooting Sixers at that point, And I just the way the ball bounced with Kawhi, yeah, an iconic shot. That's gotta be one of the top ten shots in NBA history. I know it was only a second round matchup, but a buzzer beater in game seven on like an improbable shot, it was that was just crazy. But since then, like it's always something with Embiid. Well, let's blame Ben Simmons, man. You know, Ben Simmons. He's the problem. Okay. And then it was like, well, Embiid's not 100%. It's always someone else. And so what happens when you need to have game four at home? Down the stretch, Joel Embiid basically gets rejected on repeat by Al Horford. Al Horford has got to be like 47 years old. Ancient. Uh, the Sixers tried getting Al Horford a couple years back because he would kill Embiid. So they're like, oh, you know what? can't beat him, let's join him, let's bring on Al, uh, Al Horford to Philly, and it looked at that point like he was washed, he was terrible, bad fit, they didn't know how to use him. This is a big theme in sports, like, you can have players with a lot of tools, and if you don't know how to use them or put them into your puzzle, it just is a flop, and Al Horford goes to Boston, has a rejuvenation, and down the stretch, he just keeps rejecting Embiid, I think he had three blocks in the fourth quarter of Embiid, and ultimately, The MVP, Joel Embiid, has to have James Harden bail him out on a runner, a 16-foot runner to tie it, with with like less than 20 seconds left. And it it was odd because not only did Harden bail out Embiid at the end of regulation, he did it at the end of overtime. And it it didn't totally remind me of LeBron against Memphis in that gotta-have game four when they were up 2-1. Like, listen, Lakers gotta have this AD struggling. I mean, Joel Embiid had good uh, counting numbers for the game. Uh, I'm not going to just say he was terrible. Uh, l- listen, the guy put up, let's see here, he had 34 points and 13 boards, but 34 points are 26 shots. He just, he, I know, I know, Jason, hey, come on, he's coming off an injury. That's a four to six week injury. Of course he is, he always is. And he played 46 minutes. What do you expect? I get it, I understand. He started to look gassed down the stretch, couldn't get a shot off. And that's fine, he, he needed help. Listen, Anthony Davis, he needs LeBron. Everybody needs somebody. Steph Curry's waiting for Klay Thompson to have a complete game, not eight threes when, you know, you're blowing out the opponent. But Embiid gets bailed out by Harden at the end of regulation, then at the end of overtime, which we'll get to. But it reminded me of LeBron saving AD's hide in game four. Lakers Grizz. LeBron high off the glass over Jaron Jackson to tie it. Force overtime, and then in overtime, the game-clinching bucket where he flexed after he beat Dylan Brooks for the end one. Still amazing moment. Maybe the number one moment of the postseason. It's certainly up there. But you watch Harden, and James Harden is like, yeah, I got this. Joel Embiid double-teamed on the final play of um, down one in regulation and be double-teamed by Tatum and Jalen Brown. And and B turns around, sees Harden in the corner. Harden wide open. Like, I could have probably made that jumper. Now, (laughs) clutch moment, fans, a city waiting. Like, you need to hit the shot if you're Harden, and Harden bangs it. And this is where the the game gets super fascinating, as if it wasn't already in overtime. They take the lead on the Harden three, and I I clocked it. 18 seconds were left when the ball goes through the hope. 18.2, to be exact. Ball goes through the bucket. Boston has a timeout, and just like at the end of regulation, they said, Missoula, we're going to play it out. Here's the problem. Again, 18 seconds after the hardened shot goes through the bucket, Boston essentially walks the ball up the court, and they don't get the ball to Tatum until there's five seconds left. So they just wasted 13 seconds. And Tatum gets the ball top of the key, like 32 feet away. He's not shooting from there. I'm like, what are they doing? Tatum makes a great move, gets to the hoop. But, of course, the defense collapses. Somehow he's able to see Smart gets the ball to him, but you're like, they're not going to have enough time. And Smart fires it probably like four-tenths of a second too late. It goes in, but ultimately too late, and the Sixers survive. So I think the the macro storylines here are James Harden saves Joel Embiid. James Harden has now beaten beaten the Sixers, uh, beaten the Celtics with money three-pointers in the final 20 seconds in two games. Uh, game one, Harden had 45. In game four, Harden had 42. Nine assists, eight boards, four steals. James Harden's playing defense. Six threes. James Harden was incredible. I don't want to hear this Tyrese Maxey is their second best player. Like, that was a popular refrain during the Brooklyn series. And um, it feels like we need to we need to squelch that. James Harden is the number two. Now, Harden haters are going to say that, well, wait a second. Where, where was Harden in game two? Uh, he was two of 14. 12 points. Loss. Where was Harden in Game 3? Well, (laughs) 3 of 14. 16 points. Loss. Harden, in those two losses, is 2 of 13 on threes. In the two wins, 13 of 23. So, hot Harden, Sixers are going to win. Cold Harden, Celtics are going to roll them. And Celtics won both when Harden stunk by double digits. So, as James Harden goes, goes to Sixers, and as good as that sounds... Rob, we've seen this before, okay? We've seen James Harden have his meltdowns. I'm not bagging on Harden. He's an all-time great player. He is a Hall of Fame lock. But Game 5, back to Boston Tuesday. Harden is coming off playing a staggering overtime game, 47 minutes. Embiid, with the LCL injury, 46 minutes. Maxie can't really get in a groove in this series. I know it's tied, but to me, it took two Sixers late game heroics by Harden to get us here. I still feel like Sixers in six. I don't think it goes seven. I would say Sixers in six, Rob. You I'm mean sorry, Celtics, Celtics in six. Celtics, Celtics. in six. Duh.
5: Yeah, I, I think that that's a fair assessment. I mean, look, there's a reason why playoff Harden was considered an insult for a, a long time yeah. because James Harden has a history of coming up small in big moments and credit to him, games one and four, he was fantastic. He was the best player on the floor for either team. Um, I like what you said, though, about Joel Embiid, because anyone who's just a box score watcher, like if you go to StatMuse or ESPN, like, oh, look, look how 33 or 34 and 13, Joel Embiid doing everything. He has not been good in these playoffs, even before the, the knee injury. All right. He came in MVP 33 and 14 on 55% shooting. He was awesome. In the postseason, those numbers have cratered. 21-10 and 10 on 46% shooting. Now, 21-10 and is not bad, but for the 76ers to get to where they want to go, Joel Embiid has to be MVP Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. He has to be the best player, or at worst, the second best player in every series he plays in. And unfortunately for, for them, he just hasn't been. And if you look at yesterday's game, you mentioned that he kind of, you know, ran out of gas there late in the fourth quarter in overtime. In the fourth quarter and overtime... Facing a Boston Celtics team, but if they lose it down 3-1, and the series is basically over. Joel Embiid. Six points, two for eight shooting, three times blocked by Al Horford, two fouls, a turnover, a plus minus of minus 12 in the fourth quarter in overtime. James Harden on the flip side. Don't call him Jim Harden because he came to play uh, yesterday. 13 points, five of eight shooting, four rebounds, two assists, three steals, and the game-winning three.
0: Now, let's give Embiid credit. He did have the game-winning assist
5: hard yes he, he had did. to
0: recognize all... that the defense was collapsed. so we will give
5: him some but, props just but what does hard. it say I mean like look I don't know if this says more about Joel Embiid or if it says more about Joe Missoula but on that last play that led to the game-winning three-pointer what would have been the game-winning three-pointer for James Harden they opened up with Jason Tatum guarding Joel Embiid mm. like d- d- does that mean that they just didn't think that Embiid was actually going to make the play for them that they, they that Boston wasn't confident or they didn't believe that uh, Embiid had the legs in him anymore to kind of make him pay, so they were just going to switch a potential pick and roll with with James Harden. I don't know what it was, mm. but there had to have been a reason why they opened up with Tatum on him instead yeah. of Horford.
0: Well, I, uh, can you take your cues from Lakers, Warriors, and w- we'll get to what Darwin Ham's big move was, but putting Vanderbilt on Draymond Green was a stroke of genius. I I don't know how I didn't see it. Uh, I like to think of myself as a basketball genius. I was like, what else is Darvin Hamm going to do? Puts Vanderbilt on green because green is a screen setter. Well, now if you're green setting screens, you're putting essentially your best wing defender onto the ball. So that move worked by Ham. I wonder if they thought that, like, P.J. Tucker was going to come and screen or somebody was going to come and screen for Embiid, and that would then put... Horford. I don't think Robert Williams was on the court for that. No, pick. he was not. Okay. No. Now, so maybe they were anticipating a switch and they didn't want it to come late and get screwed. But ultimately, you could, you could fault Jalen Brown a little bit for doubling so hard. Although, you know, the problem with the double there is Embiid scores, you're tied. Exactly. Embiid kicks it out for the three, you lose. Now listen, Jalen Brown taking a lot of heat, Rob. And I, listen, I don't want to say that Tatum... And Brown have a little C.J. McCollum, Dame Lillard wing version. But there's something going on here where it feels like your turn, my turn at times. Because this is an incredible stat. Fourth quarter in overtime, Jalen Brown only took three shots. And there was a lot of standing around in the corner. Marcus Smart ends up jacking a lot. He had a great look at the end of regulation for three that he should have hit. It was short. Jalen Brown did say after the game... And this is the only, like, little drama if you are Boston and nervous. I'm not a Boston fan, but I'm not nervous for them. Jalen Brown, I guess I got to demand the ball a little bit more. I thought good things happened when I had it in my hands. Now, if you want to spin this way forward, a lot of Celtics fans thinks think if Jalen Brown does not named all NBA, he's going to be out. And he's going to say, I want to be the man somewhere else. I don't want to be, you know, Robin or 1B um, to Tatum, and I guess I got to deb- demand the ball. Like, that's not something you want to hear after a loss, but it's an understandable question coming from Celtics fans who are like, what? you know, they're even tweeting at me, Rob. Why isn't Brown, like, Brown had like 20 points at halftime. What, what, what on earth is happening? Well, as you guys know, if you watched him, Brown is a really, really, really good player. His weakness has to be his handle attacking the basket. Tends to get a little loosey-goosey. He's not as, like, Tatum's handle... Going to the baseline, going on the spin moves, all that stuff. He's in his bag, working with that uh, guy we had as a guest here on the pod last last year, Drew Hanlon, and he just talks about Tatum's work ethic. I'm not saying Brown doesn't have that, but you could see when Tatum goes to the basket, utmost confidence. He's not a turnover machine. I'm not saying Brown is, but Brown's not as good with the ball. You want to make Jalen Brown put the ball in the court and attack you, and he just his handle isn't that tight. Now he did have only one turnover in 44 minutes. But I think it's a reasonable ask for Jalen Brown to be like, hey, why is Marcus Smart getting all the end-of-game looks? And I'm sure the Boston staff will say, well, that's what Philly wants. They're hugging you up. They're, they're not giving, they're giving Marcus Smart any shot. He's not a great three-point shooter. If we lose to him, we tip our cap. But if you get it, we know we're losing. And, for instance, uh, in the opener, Brown, as good as he was with 23 points, he had four turnovers. And in Game 3, he had four turnovers. And if you want to look at the last series against Atlanta – I mean, he had a game with six turnovers, four. He had four in the uh, tough Game 5 loss at home. Like, he's really good, Rob. I like him a lot. And I'm not saying he's C.J. McCollum. They're a rich man's version of McCollum and Dame but at wing. And they've been to a finals, which C.J. and Dame did not. But I, it starts to make you wonder, man, you know, would Brown really leave? Because if you can get the Supermax— um, when you're named All-NBA, and Brown could get that. So he's not going to get that money elsewhere. He could only get it from Boston. And so if he doesn't get All-NBA, Jalen Brown might just say, hey, you know, who needs an alpha? Hey, um, uh, you know, I'm I'm looking around at the standings, Rob. There's not a lot of teams like, would he go to Charlotte? Uh, Would he go to Orlando? Do do you want that? Like, I don't know what Jalen Brown ultimately wants, but, I mean, he's in a great spot where they're, you know, they They've been really close here the last couple of years. I think they got a good thing, but I don't. Maybe Jalen Brown's not happy there.
5: Yeah, I mean that's kind of been the open secret for a while. We talked about it on the pod a few months ago that he's made it very clear that he is not a big fan of the people of Boston. You know, some of his comments in the, the Ringer. Yeah, the the, the 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 fans. Excuse me. The the comments of the Ringer some of the comments to Anscape you know he he's made it pretty clear that they're not his particular cup of tea that that, that some of the 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 things that he hears from the fans and in the, in the stands and around the community is just not really what he likes so if he were to not get the max super max contract I think he's as good as gone like he he he's one of those guys who's very thoughtful he's very um socially aware and a lot of different things. And that kind of stuff really bothers him in a way that it probably doesn't bother your run-of-the-mill
0: NBA superstar. Would you do AD and something for Jalen Brown? Today? I I mean, I don't think... I think Jalen Brown's probably got a higher value than AD simply because of the injury history, right? And And the age, Yeah. yeah. So the Lakers would have to throw something else in there. Um I, I, I mean, I, my guy Lonnie Walker, we'll get to him shortly. It'll, he's finally, <laughs> but we've been lobbying for forever. Like, I don't even know that I'd part ways with Lonnie Walker. I, Lonnie Walker and AD for Jalen Brown. Now, I know you think <laughs> that's crazy. Um, I like Jalen Brown, but again, you get Jalen Brown to play with LeBron, like, I don't know, Rob, that, that's not a ton. Is it? That... Jalen Brown and LeBron is like the same position. You're getting Tatum uh, in LeBron, but he's just simply, you know, LeBron's like 12 years older. I, I it's a tough one. I, I, no, I, what would you say is an easier position to fill, wing three and D, or like shooting guard? Probably, probably wing three and D. That's the most coveted player in the league, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just look at like Jalen Brown and LeBron on the same team, and it just doesn't make sense. Like, what do you? You're duplicating the position, no?
5: Yeah, I think we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves, projecting him to the Lakers already, because at that point LeBron would be like 40 years old. So I don't know if that would be something that we could talk about. But as far as Jalen Brown goes, I know that he had the gaffe in game four coming off the James Harden three. But entering that game, entering uh, game four, one matched up with James Harden, he was giving up two for 11 shooting and forcing four turnovers.
0: So why are you leaving him?
5: Exactly. It's just Jalen Brown is really, really good. He's borderline great. I just don't know if he has the same mentality that a guy like Jason Tatum has, and I think that's what separates the two of them.
1: You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation, the right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of BF Goodrich tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash to see their BF Goodrich test results tire ratings and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com the way tire buying should be.
3: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals,
0: And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon.
2: We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.
0: All right, let's quickly get to uh, tonight's games. Um, We have Knicks Heat. I I know this is not going to be popular. I'm a Knicks fan. I'm not that into this series, Rob. It's tough because I feel like is just getting body bagged by Spolstra. Like, any Thibodeau has barely made adjustments. Spolstra, since that first half where the Knicks looked amazing in game one, I feel like the Heat have dominated the series except for the fourth quarter in the next one, in game two. And now you're down 2-1. Jimmy Butler's back and looking good. And I, I just don't have any confidence in the Knicks here. And it looks like the Heat, not your traditional eight seed, well, actually, they were the 7, weren't they? And then they lost in the play-in, and then they had to win the second game. So I think they were the 7. And the Hawks were 8. That's right. So the Heat technically were a 7. So they play as an 8, beat the Bucks, and now they face the Knicks. And I don't know, Rob. It feels to me like this series kind of over at 3-1. Um, and I don't even know that I can back the Knicks tonight. Give me one thing you've seen from the Knicks that would have you backing them at getting 4 And... A half and I don't think it's Brunson. I don't know that it's Randall, who was really bad in game game three. The offensive rebounding that they had against the Cavs, that's out the window. Um, you know, Hart and Hustle can only get you so far for this Knicks team with Josh Hart. And here's the problem the Heat have that in spades with a bunch of undrafted dudes. So I don't know, Rob. I, this is a tough one for me. I. Long-time Knicks fan. I was feeling optimistic, but I, I think the Heat win this game and probably take the series in, in five, maybe six.
5: Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough for me to say that, too, because I picked the Knicks before the series in six. I was really confident about what yeah. they were building. I thought their defense was really good. At the, it travels well, and everything that we liked about them coming into this series has kind of fallen by the wayside. You know, um, Julius Randle has just been a disaster. You know, I know that he's, he's coming off the ankle injury, but he's shooting 36% in the series. Against the team that has Bam Adebayo on the front line and nothing else. And he, he just can't get anything going. Uh, Jalen Brunson has been okay. You know, I mean, it, it, the last game wasn't, notwithstanding, he was really good before that. But the difference is, is that for them to win and overcome Julius Randle, basically being a no-show, he has to be the best player out there, basically. And Jimmy Butler has that lockdown down and threw away the key. So if, he, if it's going to come down to Jimmy Butler versus Jalen Brunson and whoever wins that matchup is going to win the game and the series, then Jimmy Butler is going to win that 9 out of 10 times. Yeah. So, like you, I lean Miami, especially at home. I I think they got this one. They go 3-1, ultimately finish it off in 6 at
0: home. In the postseason, so he played five games against Cleveland. He's played two against Miami. Randall, 33% shooting, 23% from deep. And his average, it looks like he's averaging 16, 15 and a half a game. That's just not going to cut it for a guy who was really, really good during the regular season. Um, He averaged 25 in the regular season. Shot 46 from the field, 34 from three. Knicks are screwed. Now, let's get to Lakers-Warriors game four. I talked earlier in the pod about going to game three in the atmosphere. I'll just say this. Um, It felt, you know, obviously like the biggest game for the Lakers have had. First playoff game. At home, I'm not counting the Timberwolves' uh, play-in game, although I was there for that one. Um, This is like the biggest playoff game. Game four will be the biggest playoff game in, you can't say a decade, can you, postseason? Rob, what was the last big, big, big Laker playoff game? Like, Kobe didn't make the playoffs the last, like, four years. Um, I think for about six years, they were bottom feeders. They haven't played a game at home with this kind of atmosphere because the Bubble, obviously the playoff games were big, but they weren't at home. They were in the Bubble. So you have to probably go back close to a decade. The vibes and the energy are going to be off the charts. And I still think the Warriors win tonight. <laughs> you I know are you, crazy. I know you love the Lakers at six.
5: Just because you spotted Steph Curry at the gym one time and you helped him get like a super set in that you just, you refused to cave on what you think about the Warriors. Look, I don't, and this is me not even being a Laker fan. I don't know what people see in Golden State that makes them think that oh they are just the better team. Cuz they're not. Like at this point in the playoffs, basically every team is on the same level for the most part. The difference is is matchups and basically and who gets hot that night kind of. Like that's pretty much what it comes down to. And the Lakers even when they played terribly in game 2, they have mismatches inside that that Golden State just can't match up with at all. Like they just they, there's nothing they can do Draymond defends AD better than anybody, but then if he's hugged up on AD, that's not gonna, who's going to stop LeBron from getting into the basket if he wants to? Nobody. So what Golden State has to do is shoot a lot of threes, which they did in game two, and they basically have done all series, and they have to win that by a considerable margin, plus 20, plus 25 from the three-point line in order for them to win because they're not going to win inside the paint for the most part. They're not going to win at the free throw line for the most part. And if the Lakers can limit Golden State to even an above-average game from three, and not a historically great one like they were in game two, the Lakers should win
0: most of the time they play them. Well, all right. So the, the free throw thing is a thing, for sure. The Warriors do not attack the basket a lot, but what they do is foul, like useless, silly, dumb fouls. And I'm talking like, Not even on shots all the time. But the Lakers are in the bonus early. They're shooting one and one super early in the game. And essentially, at halftime, I don't remember the exact numbers from game three, but I finally get through the crappy Wi-Fi at crypto. And I look at the numbers. I'm like, okay, they're about even from the field. Uh, Warriors had more offensive rebounds. They're about even from three. Oh, the reason the Warriors are getting their butts kicked is because of free throws. And it's like when AD's shooting 12 free throws, yeah, Lakers are in great shape. If LeBron's shooting eight free throws, Lakers are in great shape. The thing I loved about LeBron's game in Game 3 was he kind of slow played it. Remember, Game 2, first half, it was all me, all LeBron, I'm going to keep us in it. He had like 21 in the first half, and they're still down like double digits. I can't remember a time where I've seen LeBron play a full quarter of basketball, or like eight minutes of the first quarter before he was subbed out, and not even attempt a shot. Like, I'm just going to set the table for you guys. I'm not even shooting. I'm saving my energy. I'm conserving it. It was very clear. And that worked for a while. And then the Warriors, Clay's making threes in the first quarter. Curry takes over in the second. Andrew Wiggins is playing well. And the Warriors were actually up 11 in the second quarter. And then all of a sudden, LeBron says, okay, I'm ready to activate. And LeBron starts going to the basket, getting to the foul line. And he got them back in it. And you could just tell, He's getting to that next level of thought. Well, here's my thing. What happens if D'Angelo Russell doesn't go off again early? D'Angelo Russell had three threes to start the game. Nine points, celebrating like he won the title. I'm not allowed to bash D'Angelo Russell. He did come through against Memphis. I said I would not bash him again in the post series, postseason. So I'm not going to bash him. He had a great start, but the Lakers are finding that third score. Right? AD... It, Twenty-five and thirteen, amazing. LeBron twenty-one, eight and eight, and D'Angelo Russell twenty-one points. Now, my guy Lonnie Walker, who, what's it? Rob has been wondering. A lot of people. I've had people ask me, "What? what, what do you, why do you like Lonnie Walker so much? What's going on?" And I'm just telling you guys, when I was, I went to a couple games early in the season, and I know the roster was different. He was their third best player, better than Westbrook. He was active on the wing, defensively, make shots, slasher. You know, one of these guys who can make emphatic dunks and fire up the crowd. And Lonnie Walker, dusted off by Darvin Ham ahead of Beasley, ahead of Troy Brown, finally ahead of Troy Brown. And he was tremendous. Lonnie Walker, listen, I know there was a lot of garbage time, so it's tough to suss out exactly what he did in time that mattered. But I felt like Lonnie Walker has winning player attributes that I liked. Now, Rob, I know it's a little bit much, getting excited about Lonnie Walker in limited playing time. But... These minutes when A.D. goes out, when uh, LeBron goes out, when um, Russell and, and Reeves, and by the way, Austin Reeves clearly has hit a, I know he's not a rookie, but he's hit some kind of wall because for as good as he was against Memphis, he's just really cannot get anything going in this series. I know he's only 24 years old, young guy. I think he turns 25 later this month. But Austin Reeves now could be that he's drained defending Curry in a Memphis series when he averaged 16, shot 44%, 34% from 3. He's at 9 points per game. 32% shooting and he looks a little timid. I don't know if you noticed that, Rob. He almost looks like he don't want it. Against Memphis, he's like if I'm open, it's going up. And then 28% from 3. He at least got to the foul line a bunch in game 3, which is good. Sometimes, you know, you're struggling as a shooter, attack the basket, change up, change it up. And and he did a good job but it is draining to defend Curry. I think Reeves on Curry is good. But the question becomes, Rob, what do the Warriors do to adjust for, hey, Vanderbilt's on Draymond now. We can't make Draymond the screener. And I think one of the options is, do we start the pool party? Draymond at center. Because I think the, the Jamichael Green experiment's over, right? It worked in game two. Hey, what worked? We're going to try it again, see how they adjust. Let's do it again in game three. Um I believe Jamichael Green got a technical foul from the bench in in that disastrous second quarter where the Lakers had, I think, I'm sorry, the Warriors had two technical fouls. They had a defensive three seconds, um, and Draymond started to get in foul trouble. It was just a horrible, horrible quarter um, for the Warriors. And I wonder if Steve Kerr says, we're going to start the pool party lineup and see what they do. Now, the other option is I can see, I don't think he's been great, Rob. I can see him tinkering with DiVincenzo. Um, I like DiVincenzo. I I haven't liked what I've seen from him in this series for whatever reason, man. He just, he's not making shots. This is the kid from Villanova who had like seven threes in the national championship game. Or maybe it was a final four. I forget. But like he had a really good, and then they liked him a lot in, um, I think it was Milwaukee. He was a top 20 pick. And, And it just, it never really panned out. He certainly looks the part. He can jump with just about anyone and he's got active hands, but the guy in the series is shooting 27% from the field, 21% from three. Like, wh- what do you even do? He doesn't attack the basket. Um, four points per game. Like you got to find a fit starter. You can't go back to Looney and Draymond. Can you? Uh,
5: I mean, you could, you just be leaning into the defense. I'll tell you what, I got two thoughts on everything you just said. Number one, I as a Laker fan, I hope they bring in the pool party because he has been, and we talked about this before when I went on vacation, he has been absolutely terrible. All right. In the playoffs, he's averaging 11 points per game, 35% from the field, 28% from three, which is not great for a guy who is. To put it lightly, a traffic cone defensively.
0: Oh, come on!
5: Like yeah, I, I remember. I was reading on Twitter um, during Game Three. One of the basketball uh, co- uh, coaching accounts that I follow, they said that he's going to average five fouls a game in this series, and I thought it was kind of funny. And then, sure enough, like in that game, he had five fouls in the middle of the third quarter. Like he he just he he doesn't have any real awareness defensively. He is the king of the. If they get past him, he's going to slap down on him and try to get a steal and cause a foul. Like, that's what he does. So, I, I would like for them to see that. But if I were to be objective about this situation, let me know if you think this is crazy. If I'm Golden State, whether, whoever your fifth starter is, if it's Looney, if it's, um, you know, Jordan Poole, whoever. What about making Andrew Wiggins the screener for Steph Curry instead of a big guy or then, a small so guy? LeBron, and, then and then putting LeBron in the action.
0: But is LeBron defending Wiggins? Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah cuz Wiggins and, and in that in that lineup, design. the last
5: lineup, you know, Jamichael Green was with Draymond or was with uh, AD. Jared Vanderbilt was on Draymond and LeBron was on Wiggins. So the
0: only problem then is Vanderbilt. So where do you you just put Draymond in the corner or do you put Draymond in the dunker spot cuz then I, you I have Vanderbilt I by the
5: rim. I, I don't know. But what I'm saying is if you're Golden State and obviously you can't put Draymond in the action of Jared Vanderbilt's <laughs> guarding cuz you you don't have any real advantage there if they switch. Jamichael Green, you're saying that you think that's experiment's kind of run its course yeah. already. So, why not put LeBron in the action? And because you saw how tired he looked in Game Four when they were up by 25, like, like I, I don't know how you could be physically spent in the middle of the third quarter of an NBA playoff game. Oh, no, he's like I, an old man, man. He is, and that's what I'm saying. So, if you're Golden State, maybe you, as, as crazy as it sounds. Maybe you go at him the same way LeBron used to go at Steph Curry. You do it the inverse. You have Steph Curry coming downhill at LeBron. Whether he's efficient scoring the ball, I don't know if that would work out for you, but at the very least, you're going to run his legs into the ground. Yeah. So maybe that's something they can have at their disposal heading into tonight's game for
0: What about starting Looney and Poole and having Draymond come off the bench? Remember when he got suspended in the Sacramento series? They had him come off the bench, and it seemed to work. It just feels like, they need more offense, man. Because if it's not a track meet and it wasn't, I mean, they, they had, I think, like maybe 50-something at halftime. They, they were just not scoring a lot. And it doesn't help that, like you said, Poole's really on the struggle bus. He had 21 points in game one. He's got 11 points since. Hasn't made a three since game one. Not getting to the foul line. He needs space to operate. And at that point, he can cook anybody off the dribble. He is so quick. I know you, I know you don't like him. And Cowherd cannot stand him. But in terms of just watching players, I get so much fun watching Jordan Poole. He is so electric with the ball. I know he's a bit of a turnover, uh, and Warriors fans can't stand him. But um, I, yeah, Rob, I think the play here for me would be I would look at Jordan Poole over points, and I would look at Warriors with the on the money line. Those are the two. I think Jordan Poole's going to bounce back. I'm not Now listen, there's a chance he gets benched and barely plays because he's so sloppy and, like you said, doesn't play defensively. But if you do look at one stat, look at the assists six assists in game one, six in game three. So they're unlocking his playmaking abilities. Next thing they need to do is get him to play a lick of defense. Um, This was a lengthy Monday pod, but that's what we do when the playoffs heat up. We'll be back tomorrow. Talk to you then.